welcome. My name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Testament book of Habakkuk. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Of course, Habakkuk is found in what we call the minor prophet section. And they're minor in size, but major on message. In the book of Habakkuk, as we've been exploring this book, we understand that this is a book like none of the other minor prophets. The other minor prophets are addressed to a certain region or to a certain people, to the people of Edom, to the people of Nineveh, to the people of the northern kingdom, to the people of Judah. But the book of Habakkuk is different because it is a conversation between the prophet and his God. Remember the prophet starts out in chapter number 1. And he's just going to the Lord and he's praying for his nation. A nation that looks just like our nation. That the... the uh, Right judgment's not going forth because there seems to be more people who are wrong than there are doing right. We're asking, uh, <laughs> the prophet is observing that there's violence that is going on and is being uncontended. And as he's talking to God, an amazing thing happens to him. God answers back. And it surprised him. And God said, I'm going to do a work in your day that if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And he says, you want to know what I'm going to do about the people of and your nation and the people not serving right gods? Ye among the heathen. I'm going to allow the Babylonians to come and take you. And what they're going to do is they're going to um, put you captive, destroy your city, drag you thousands of miles away, and uh, make you part of their society. And Habakkuk says, but God, they're worse than we are. And he began to just talk about it. But remember by faith, as he's answering this, he says, I may not understand what's going on, but I know who you are. And verse 12, he acknowledges God and who he is, that he is the Lord God, that he is the almighty God, that he is by faith attributing that God, I may not understand what you're doing, but you're always good and you're always right. Now, this leads us to chapter 2, where we're going to be at today. If you wouldn't mind, notice with me in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, and notice with me in verse number 1. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, and verse number 1, the Word of God says this, I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Habakkuk chapter number 2? The book of Habakkuk chapter 2, and notice with me verse 4, the phrase, The just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Now what we do have here is the prophet Habakkuk has been in a conversation with God. He had started off by saying, God, look at our nation. We need something. We need something bad. 
we need something to fix it. God, please fix our nation. Then God spoke back to Habakkuk and said, All right, I'm going to do a work that if I told you what it was, that you wouldn't believe me. And he says, Ye among the heathen. And Habakkuk says, Wait a second, how is that going to work? And God said, See, I told you you wouldn't believe it. But Habakkuk answers and says, by faith, God, I may not understand what's going on, but I trust that you are God. And so in response to knowing who God is, we see in verse number one that I, Habakkuk, will stand upon my watch. This carries the idea that he's standing upon a, t- a tower, a, a, that, like a, a watchtower. Remember that many of the ancient cities would have walls around them and they would have a watchman who was job was to be vigilant, be alert, to look for someone to come in, to look for bandits, to look for opposing armies, to look for wildlife that would become to threaten the people. And he says, I'm standing watching, I'm observing, I'm looking to see what's going to happen. He has the idea that he's anticipating God to answer him. He says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I'm reproved. So by faith he he says what I'm doing is I'm being vigilant. I'm watching. I'm anticipating God to answer me. Now this is a different type of spirit. There are some people that are not anticipating God to answer them. They show up to a church service and sometimes they'll say cross their arms and say bless me if you can. Sometimes um, the Bible gives an illustration in the life of Samuel. That it said he didn't let any of God's words drop to the ground. And so in my mind I could see little Samuel. As he has a little basket underneath an apple tree. And he's waiting for the apples to fall. And he's looking for it. And this is that idea. He's watching. He's looking. However it seems sometimes when I'm preaching. That the word of God goes forth. And people go whoa that almost got me. That was close. And you can almost see him dodging for cover. And so I'm putting a word picture in your mind here. Here is the prophet. He is looking for God's word. He's anticipating it. So that way he could. Understand how he's going to answer. Notice how he was expecting the answer to come. And what I shall answer him. When I am reproved. What he's expecting from God. Is not a pat on the back and say attaboy. What he is expecting is for God. To point out in his own life. What needs to be fixed. You know, we could do very little about changing people's around us, changing their behavior. But we could work on our behavior. And he says, God, I'm just going to anticipate that you are going to speak to me. I'm going to anticipate that you are going to show me things in my life that need to be fixed. I'm expecting you. And so he's saying, God, I am looking for your answer. And I am preparing to respond correctly. Uh, An old evangelist said this, you can tell a lot about a man by how he responds to rebuke. You can tell a lot about a man by how he responds to rebuke. Someone who wants to be right with God doesn't mind rebuke at all. When someone tells them something that they're doing wrong, they'll be glad. Thank you so much that you cared enough to tell me. But there has to be a preparation to respond like that because no one likes to be told that you're doing wrong. No one likes to be, feel like they're embarrassed or called out. I mean, but sometimes it's a loving act. For example, let's say that I just got through eating something in a hurry and I'm getting ready to preach and my wife pulls me aside and said, Honey, you got stuff in your teeth. Well, I don't want to hear that. 
But you know, she, because she loves me, she's saying this is something that needs to be fixed. And of course, we all know at times something small as that doesn't get the correct response. Here, he's saying, I'm preparing to respond well. I'm preparing for God to tell me what I'm doing wrong, so that way I could respond correctly to it. That should be the attitude that we have. Lord, I want you to show me what's wrong. I want you to fix me. I want you to correct me. I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying my best in response to respond correctly. Not saying, well, God, look at what they're doing. Well, what about them? That's called deflection. We like to do that. We like to point at someone else is doing worse than us. Well, God says, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. But, but, but God, I'm doing my best. I'm better than them. Well, we like to look at ourselves. God says, I'm not dealing with them. I'm dealing with you. I'm trying to fix you. And so here's the prophet preparing for God to give him an answer. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to say. I anticipate God to speak to me. And I'm anticipating for him to point out something that I need to be fixed. So God responds, verse 2. So again, this is a conversation Habakkuk's already responded. Now he's preparing for God's response. God responds, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. He says, Habakkuk, I want you to write some things down so that way it could be a help to someone else. I want you to be preparing the folks. I want you to write it down and I'm going to use my word. Verse number 3. For the vision is yet is yet for an appointed time. So he said, things are going to happen. And by the way, the prophet Habakkuk is probably being spoken to God about 620 B.C. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed in 586 B.C. So there's an appointed time. And so I'm having you write this down, and I'm letting you know that these things are going to happen. There's only a short amount of time for people to get right, a short amount of time for people to respond properly before this happens. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but in the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Meaning that Habakkuk, these things are going to happen and they're going to happen quickly. They will happen. You need to be preparing for it now because when it comes, it's already too late. It's already there. But verse 4 is where we're going to spend our time. All that was introduction, but notice verse 4. Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to take verse number four. And I'd like to explain some things about the just shall live by faith. The first thing I would like to bring out to you is the object of our faith. The object of our faith. Now it's interesting that the Habakkuk chapter two and verse four is such an important verse that it is quoted in the New Testament three different times. The book of Romans, the book of Galatians, and the book of Hebrews. The just shall live by faith. Oh, this should be the mantra of every Christian. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, when we understand that the just shall live by faith, we have to understand something about faith. That it is not the faith that is important, or the important thing is not just having faith. It is the object of our faith. For example, we know many people who have lots of faith in their causes. Maybe you have an environmentalist. They 
are more faithful to their cause and they believe in their cause more than most Christians follow after their God. I mean, it is, they have faith. But it is not how much faith you have that matters. It is the object of your faith. What is the object of our faith? Well, the Bible describes faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It defines faith in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, which says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What is this faith that matters? It's not how much faith you have. It is the object of the faith that you're placing your faith into. It is Jesus Christ. That is the faith. We know that there's a lot of people who who have a lot of faith and they're believing in a lot of things and they believe in it sincerely. Sincerity doesn't isn't the factor here. There are some people that believe it passionately. Passion is not it. Some people have believed in their cause for a long time. It's not the length of your faith. It's not how much faith you have. It is the object of your faith that matters. The just shall live by faith. The emphasis is not on how much faith you have. It is the object of the faith that you have. Even Jesus made a reference to this. That if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed. The mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds known in, <coughs> in the... Um, in the area of Israel. To them, the mustard seed was the smallest. If I had a small mustard seed and I dropped it in this carpet, I would never find it again. You say that's pretty small. How is it that a faith, the, my faith the size of a mustard seed can do all these things? Because it's not how much faith I have. It is the object that I'm placing my faith into. My God can move mountains. My God can answer prayers. My God can forgive me of my sins. My God can put a place in heaven for me. My God is able. It is not how much faith I have. It is the object of the faith that matters. How can we live when everything we hope goes right goes wrong? The answer is that the just shall live by faith. The faith in Jesus Christ. God designed the Christian life so that when we're able to be, have a victorious life in Him, no matter what's taking place around us, we can live in a world that's falling apart and still have faith. Because our faith is not in the government. The faith is not in people. The faith is not in good days, smiling children, beautiful weather. Our faith is in Christ, the God of the universe. It is the object of our faith that matters. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Now we come to something amazing. We come not only to the object of our faith, but we also see the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith. Now normally, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to answer. But if I was to say, what is the opposite of faith? You know what most people's response would be? Unbelief. Unbelief. But do you know that the Bible gives a different opposite in this verse? Notice what the verse says. Notice in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But, the word but is a conjunction that means the opposite of. So, if the just shall live by faith, but we have the word but, that means the phrase that comes before it would be the opposite of it. 
what is the opposite of faith? Behold, his soul which is lifted up. That's pride. You know what the opposite of faith is? Pride. Why is that? Because quite simply, you are either trusting in God or you're trusting in something else, normally ourselves. The opposite of faith is pride. I can do this. I can make it happen. I can force my way through. Many of you are familiar with a simple child's toy. You guys remember something like this? And you know, the amazing thing with these blocks here is that they're made so they have different shapes and the kids are supposed to taught to match up shapes. But do you know that you could take the circle and you could force it into the square? Now, it doesn't go easy and it doesn't go naturally, but you could make it happen. Force it and make it... Now, what we see here is that you have two different lifestyles. You either live your life by force or you live your life by You can go around living your life forcing, manipulating, plotting, planning, making it work, forcing your will, making it happen, forcing him, shaking someone to death. Say, listen here, obey me. Listen here, you're wrong. And you can live all your life taking the Bible and hitting someone on the head. You could live all of your life threatening people. Listen here. You could do all your life trying to cajole, convince, persuade And fall empty. And by the way, man can get some things accomplished by his own force of will. But that's a rough life. It's a hard life. But the opposite of living our life by force is living our life by faith. Saying, I can trust God. God can do a better job working on them than than I can do working on them. I'm going to let God do that. I'm just going to be obedient to what God's told me to do. I didn't believe that God's more convinced that he wants them saved more than I do. I can let God do his own work. I could just let God do his own work and I'll just say yes to him. You see, the faith life is the easiest life because we can trust God. Can you imagine a life where you're not pulling out your hair and frustrating and kicking things? Someone says, well, I've got this important thing coming up. Well, you can live your life trying to say, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to get past this, to make it work, to convince them. Or you can say, God, I could trust you with this. I'm going to let you deal with it. We can live our life by force or we can live our life by faith. Maybe perhaps you were like me and as a little child and you got in trouble a lot and you got to go to the principal's office. That's always the fun one, right? How many of you got in trouble? Again, don't raise your hand. How many of you got in trouble Maybe you knew that you had to speak before dad. You know, you had to go home and you had to go talk to dad about this. Maybe it's the principal. Maybe it was the boss. Maybe it was someone else. And you spend time and energy thinking about how you're going to tell them. What words you're going to use. How you're going to convince them to work. And you spend all of your effort. If I say it like this. And if I just leave out this detail. Or if I emphasize this. Well, what happens is that conversation never goes the way that we plan. But we spend a lot of time thinking about how we are going to make it work. When we could have trusted God and said, God, I messed up. I'm pleading upon your mercy. I'm going to let you do what's right. And if you choose to allow me to suffer consequences, then I'll suffer consequences. But I'm going to trust you to do what's right. You know that's a lot easier. 
We either live our life by force or we live our life by faith. The Bible says, Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. We have two ways of living our life. Two ways of dealing with the things in our world. We live our life by faith or we live our life by force. We live our life trusting God and allowing God to take care of it and believing that he is able to take care of it, that my job is just to obey what he's told me to do. Or I could spend all of my life forcing it, making it happen. You see, you're either going to trust God or you're going to trust yourself. That's why the opposite of faith is pride. Everything that we happens in our life, we respond by faith or by pride. The prophet Habakkuk, he wants revival. He wants God to speak to him. And so by faith, he's saying, God, I'm going to allow you to tell me whatever you need to tell me. And I want to respond well. Or he could have said, listen here, God, it's not me that's a problem. It's those filthy heathen out there. I want you to do something with them. You see, there's a difference in attitude. A difference of dealing with things. Can you trust God? Even now, our country is so messed up, without a doubt. (laughs) We could say, well, forget it. Nothing can be done by it. Or we could say, God, I'm going to trust you. You just tell me what to do. And I can allow you to work things out the way that you see fit. By the way, we have to be reminded that how God sees fit is not often how we see fit. We can let God do what he wants to do. But we can live a life of faith even in days that doesn't seem like things are going our way. You can still have faith. Still have the victorious life. Which brings me to my third thing. Not only the object of our faith. And we saw the opposite of the faith. But let's see the outcome of faith. What happens when someone lives by faith? Now, the Bible says the just shall live by his faith. And this is such an important verse that the Apostle Paul quotes it three times. He took this as his life verse. The just shall live by faith. Now, once again, we see this. This is an important idea of faith. Faith always produces action. Faith always produces action. If we believe something is true, belief affects behavior. For example, we could say, Lord, I am trusting that you are going to work in this individual's life. My response to that faith is to be obedient to what God's given me to do in all areas. That should be the thing. You say, how do I know faith always produces action? That's why we have Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is what we call the hall of faith chapter. And it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, by faith, by faith. You read that, you see the statement, by faith, by faith. And if you notice... Behind that action, by faith, and then it names the person, it will name the action that they did. By fa- Let's look at it together, if you wouldn't mind. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. By the way, Hebrews chapter number 11 is our next Sunday school series, so we'll look forward to that. Hebrews chapter number 11. 
Notice, let me just give a good running start and read some of this stuff. By faith, by faith, by faith. Notice with me Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's not by sight, it is by faith. It is things that we don't see, but we're trusting. Verse number 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Meaning that we believe even in the creation, the Genesis account, by faith. None of you were there. Uh, Some of you may feel like you were there, but none of you were there. But notice verse number four, the very first start. By faith, Abel offered to God. Verse number five, by faith, Enoch was translated. Verse number 6 gives us another break in this thought. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We'll come back to that verse in a second. Verse number 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, talks about that he prepared an ark. Verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called out to go to a place uh, to receive an inheritance, obeyed. By faith, he, Abraham, sojourned. By uh, verse number 11, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Verse number 12, or verse number, um, uh, let's go on. There's a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to give you just the, the, the mountaintops. Verse number 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Verse number 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of his sons. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the, and talks about his bones. By, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born. Talking about Moses' parents, how they hit him. Verse 24, by faith Moses, and then it said he refused to be called uh, one of Pharaoh's daughters. Verse 25, choosing. Verse 26, uh, esteeming. Verse 27, he forsook. We're in the series of Moses during our um, regular service and we just went through here. But what we're seeing here is faith always produces action. So there's no such thing as someone sitting back with lemonade. I've got faith. Everything's going to be better and do nothing. That's not true faith. Faith always produces action. Meaning that if you're trusting God, it's going to be evidenced in your behavior. You respond to God. Someone says, I believe in God, but they never read the Bible. That's not the faith that the Bible speaks about. You don't read your Bible in order to be saved. I read my Bible because I'm saved. You understand? I serve God not in order to get something from Him. I serve God because of what He's already done for me. Faith produces action. Because of who God is, I respond to kind. Look back with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter number uh, 11. But notice with me in verse 6. I love this verse. Notice this. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, that's some pretty strong definitive language. It is impossible to please God without faith. So what is the ingredient necessary to please God? Faith, that's Hebrews 11, verse 6. It is impossible to please him without faith. But notice this. In the Bible here, it has a lot of pronouns. Now remember, whenever you read through here, you should probably slow down and try to find the antecedent. You say, that's a big word. The antecedent is just the, pro- the noun that the pronoun had replaced. Notice in verse number 6. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's that him there? You guys can speak now. God. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, who's that he there? That's us, man. Very good. For us, for man that cometh to God, must believe that he is. Who's that he there? God. Must believe that God is. Notice it ends there. That God is, but it doesn't carry out that thought. That must believe that God is. That God is what? Anybody know? That God is? God. That if you're going to go to God by faith, you must go to him and believe that God is God. Remember, the object of our faith is Jesus. It's God. And that if you're going to depend on him by faith, you have to start off by believing that he's God. What does that mean? That God can do it. That God is able. My trust is in God himself that he is able. But notice this. Must believe that he is, that's God, and that he is a rewarder. Who's that he? God. That God is a rewarder of them. Who's that them? Us. That diligently seek him. Who's that last him? God. So for man that cometh to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What are these people seeking? God. So if they're seeking God, what is the reward? What are they what are they going to get? Very good. God. If I'm looking for God, guess what I'm going to get? God. That makes things simple. You know so often we make the mistake of seeking God's hand before we seek his face. We try to get things from God before we try to get God. But when you have God, you have everything you need. Because God takes care of it. The Bible talks about that Jesus is saying um, that we're not supposed to worry about food and raiment. He's got that taken care of. I just need to seek after God. We can trust him. The idea of faith is can we trust him? And the answer is yes. Let me take you to one more passage. Look with me in the book of 1 John chapter 2. So the outcome of faith is where we're going to. I'm working my way up to it. We know the object of our faith is the Lord. We know that the opposite of faith is pride. Either I'm trusting in God or I'm trusting in something else. Now we know for the outcome of faith that we understand that faith always produces action. That if I'm trusting in God, it's going to be evidenced with my behavior, my action. Notice with me in the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, notice with me, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What we see here is that we could trust in the world, trust in the things of the world. The things that you could see, the things get caught up in all this stuff, or we could trust in God. As we trust in God, that we are going to be obedient, and God says we're going to have victory. We're going to have victory. Notice with me 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, 
even our faith. Again, our faith in what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The object of our faith is Christ. It's God. When we trust in God, it's going to show up in our behavior. Faith always produces action. And as we take a step of faith, obedience to the Lord, God is the one that gives us the victory. He's the one that overcomes the world. He's the one that could defeat all these things. We just stay plugged in to him. The outcome of faith is victory. The just shall live by his faith. You know, the world can fall apart around you. And you can still have the victorious Christian life. I heard of a story once of a, of a famous preacher. and He just got through preaching and he was signing Bibles. And several preachers were in line to speak to him. And uh, this famous preacher had saw uh, <laughs> a preacher come up. And had gone through a lot of things. And so the preacher said, how are you doing right now? And the guy says, well, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. The famous preacher just looked under his glasses and said, what are you doing under them? We don't have to live under the circumstances. We can live a victorious Christian life. The rest of the world can be burning down and we can still have victory in Jesus Christ. Because our faith is in him. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The circumstances do not determine our joy, our peace. God does. We need to look beyond the circumstances and see the God of our circumstances. And notice that he's still on the throne. They say that when you fly, that when you start hitting turbulence, that what you're supposed to do is find the stewards or the steward eye or whatever you call the boys that fly up there. And you look at them. And so if you're hitting turbulence and they're still smiling and serving drinks, you know you're fine. But if turbulence starts hitting and you watch them starting to buckle in and looking panic, you know you're in trouble. Well, when the world's falling apart, all you have to do is look up to heaven. And as long as Jesus isn't pacing and wringing his hands, he's not rubbing his forehead and saying, what am I going to do? But as long as he's sitting on the throne, you know everything's all right. He is the object of our faith. Can you trust him? The just shall live by his faith. The opposite of faith is pride. Because you're either trusting in God or you're trusting in something else. Doesn't the Bible make things simple? The just shall live by faith. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. 
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.